Blog Talk Radio. Good evening. Welcome to TJR Wrestling Radio. My name is The Ace here with uh, um, Matt Siegel of TJR Wrestling Radio. Just waiting for John Canton. Um, and then we'll, uh, we'll get rolling here with our, with our guest. And I'll let John introduce him when he gets on. Um, we'll bring on John right now. Uh, hello. Welcome, everybody, to uh, TJR Wrestling Radio. Uh, we got a huge guest tonight, uh, one of the greatest wrestlers ever, I think we can all agree on. Um, Wearing my shades right now. Not really, but. <laughs> um, you can catch our guest uh, at X-Fest 2014 in Fort Calgary in Alberta on August 30th and 31st, where the first ever Bret Hart Invitational Tournament will take place, featuring Davy Boy Smith Jr., uh, James Storm from TNA, and Raj Singh, former Jinder Mahal. And they're battling for the Stu Hart Championship belt. Uh, for more details, you can check out xscalgary.com or follow xscalgary on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. It's our pleasure to introduce the five-time WWE champion, a WWE Hall of Famer, and the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. Bret Hart, welcome to our show. <clears throat> nice to talk to you guys. Nice to talk to you, Brett. Thanks so much. Uh, I'm John Canton. Uh, joining me is uh, our host, The Ace, and Matt Siegel also. Uh, Matt, you got a question for Brett? Yeah, Brett, listen, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on with us. Uh, you know, you're talking to three wrestling fans in their early 30s, and we grew up on watching you. So to say that I doesn't get the chance to talk to you, it's an honor. Well, and, I'm sure you got some good questions being as good as fans as you guys are. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we I, I definitely, yeah, we definitely do. Um, so, you know, I, I'm sure everybody in your mother over the past, uh, you know, 15 years has talked to you about Survivor Series 1997, but um, I'm interested to know your take on the next time that you that you were in a WWE ring in the Bell Center, which was in September 2012, the night that Jerry Lawler had his heart attack at ringside. Um, you know, that was supposed to be your triumphant return uh, to Montreal uh, after you came back to WWE. I was just wondering, uh, from your perspective, what the mood was like backstage after it happened, um, because it had a show-must-go-on mentality, and I know the main concern was Jerry's health, but was there anything like in the back of your mind that said, you know, gosh, what else could happen when I'm in the building here? No, I, th- I, I didn't see it so much as a bad omen or anything. I, I you know, I, I thought I sort of had my moment. I already had went out and got to do my moment, so it didn't ruin anything for me. You know, and uh, but it did uh, change the whole uh, tone of the rest of the night. But I think everybody was very, you know, Jerry's pretty well loved by everybody down there, and uh, everybody was um, pretty shook up, you know, just just the suddenness of what happened and where it happened. But you know, the truth is, is that the WWE, for once, really was on top of everything. They had 
medical people right there. They had uh, they took him right out of the out of the show. Like they had somebody step in and kind of fill in for him, and they <clears throat> they sort of did all that work to remedy him through that that maybe that that half hour or maybe an hour that was where they were pumping mm-hmm. his chest. And uh, you know, I think everyone was just glad that there was people there. He was in the right hands. There was people trying to save him, and he was. You know, he was exactly where he needed to be, and uh, obviously that's what happened because he, he survived. And uh, I think yeah. everybody was just really happy that he that he survived. And you know, Jerry's sort of a he he's a new man from that whole thing. You know, it, you know he's just uh, I think he counts every day as a blessing, much like I do. Yeah, you know, we uh, we're going to be talking about a lot of your uh, your feuds, and you know, you've had some of the great wrestling ones with Austin, with HBK, with your brother Owen. But I think a real underrated feud has always been your feud with Jerry Lawler, just from an entertaining perspective, because his promos were so good, and you were playing the straight-laced, uh, you know, uh, hero, and he was attacking you. You know, my wife and I are watching uh, the 1993 and 1994 Raws in order on the WWE Network, so we're kind of reliving the Jerry Lawler feud, which doesn't really get talked about a lot, but I thought it was extremely entertaining. Well, Jerry Lawler doesn't get enough credit. He was one of the best heels I ever worked with. He was mm-hmm. he knew how to he knew how to be a heel. There was never any question about Jerry Lawler getting turned face while you were working with him. <clears throat> you know, he was just the he was a guy that had heat every time he went in there and uh and he knew how to keep it as he worked. He wasn't a big guy or a fast guy or a young guy and he but he could work and he could, you know, use something as simple as uh that and rake your eyes mm-hmm. with with a foreign object and get a million miles out of it through the match, just off something that somebody threw in the ring, or you know, he was he was a just a brilliant heel. You know, he you could have a great match with him all the way through. I, I love working with guys like Jerry. And you know, one of the things I like about my career is that I had a chance to work with all kinds of different wrestlers. I didn't just just have matches with uh, like Iron Man matches and Wembley kind of matches with Bulldog and these long sort of classics. I had some. Right. The feud with Jerry Lawler was one of the best feuds I ever had. He was, he was, um, like I said, he was the perfect heel, and he always kept his heat. And uh, people hated him. I remember we had that kiss, kiss my foot match, and uh, yeah, it turned out to be the the best sort of the save the whole pay per view, and was the best best match on the card for sure. When I remember when it was added onto the card, I thought it's almost like a joke or a comedy match, you know. Yeah. But um, um, yeah. yeah. Um. John Ken here. I just want you to know, as a Canadian, uh, always look up to you. I live in uh, Southern Ontario here, near Edge and Christian, where they're from. But, you know, the Hart family is royalty here. I always tell people that, you know, you could have run for prime minister and probably won. So <laughs> I, I appreciate all, all that you've done for wrestling, especially here in Canada, because look at all the talented wrestlers that kind of followed you and your family. It's pretty cool. Um, so just thanks for all that. And I want to talk about um, your rivalry with your, with your brother Owen Hart when you feuded in '94 because um, I was the young, I'm the youngest in my family. I got like 15 older cousins, and when you when you wrestled Owen, you know I usually rooted for you, but that night I rooted for Owen because he was the underdog right? because I wanted I wanted to see the younger brother win. And so when Owen won, it was it was a huge thing. So um, when Owen did those promos about how he had to prove himself um, and everything like that, I thought I thought it was awesome. And then when he pinned you clean in the middle at WrestleMania 10, one of the best matches ever, uh, was that was that like a career highlight for you, knowing you, you could be in the ring with your brother and kind of put him over and kind of elevate him to that next level? What did you think about that whole thing? Yeah, I, I, I think that and uh, the fact that, uh, you know, one of the biggest uh, uh, 
uh, one of the things I take the most pride in for that match is that uh, <clears throat> we never worked with each other. Owen was a really good wrestler. Yeah. Uh, you know, we both were, were, you know, top wrestlers, but even the best wrestlers can't have a perfect match the first time they work. It's very hard the first time yeah. they wrestle each other to have a to have a brilliant match or make sure everything's spot on, as they say, you know. Like we, and, and, you know, I can say in the match with Owen, uh, the first time we, we got to work a couple of tag matches, I remember, I think two specifically, somewhere in uh, Wisconsin where they had us in tag matches with uh, a couple of different wrestlers for partners. We got to work a little bit in that match, but... Uh, not Prior to that, we had no yeah. we had no contact with each other as far as working with each other. Uh, you know, not really. Anyway, we got, I'd seen a few tapes of Owen stuff, and uh, but for the most part, I missed a lot of Owen's career up till seeing him come into WWE. And then I got to watch him work, but I never got to see. I had a, a pretty good idea about Owen's uh, abilities and whatnot. But I was on the road with uh, WWE for so much of that year that I was never home to watch Owen wrestle on TV and not really sort of be up on his moves and all the stuff that he did not necessarily the way he was with me but uh and and even with Owen I'm sure he was on the road a fair bit yeah but uh you know we just went into the garden uh we originally had one match put together before we got to the garden and uh I remember it was on the Friday or maybe the Thursday before we left for Wrestlemania and I called him up and funny enough I met him at the dungeon at my dad's house and <laughs> I remember going through the whole match with him. I said, "We got to change everything. We got to change all." Of it. it might have been. A, it might have been. It might have been a great match, but the match we were going to present to the people that night was going to be a very classic Bret Hart Owen Hart Owen, almost like a babyface type match, with Owen being a little bit trying to be a bit of a heel. But the more I thought about it, the more I, I realized the consequence of of the mistake of being wrong. Like I just knew that uh, there was a there was a strong possibility that you can never underestimate that Owen could become the babyface in the match, and I could get he certainly moved was just because I've been around. It was a possibility, and I realized uh, in when I met Owen at my dad's house, I said, "We got to change it. We got you got to be the heel for sure." Because the end of the night, you were the face, yeah. So we can't mess this up. You got to do all kinds of dirty tricks. You got to bite <laughs> my fingers and break my, yeah. you know, kick me in the balls and ball shots and biting <laughs> and scratching everything you can think of to, to be the villain because you cannot mess this up for yourself. This is a big chance you got, but if you turn babyface, it's it's not what they want to do with you. They want to turn you heel, and if you get, you got to get over as a heel. And you know that first night after we worked, you can see where. Uh, Owen walks out to the ring and he's uh, staring at me at the end of the show and I think I was being paraded around the ring by all the wrestlers. Well, you can see how, you know, even though you see Owen's got this furious, angry look on his face, if you really read closer into his eyes, you can see how happy he was. He was so over as a heel. He was so over as a heel and he was so happy and so proud of himself and he had a great match. It was the biggest night of his life, I think, up to that point. And, you know, I was really proud of him. And you're right, it it was a big big thing for me to make sure that he succeeded that night and he got his chance and he got and he did he took his chance after that i know we worked um Summer that Slam. whole heart attack tour yeah. after wrestlemania to SummerSlam, and it was one of the first times in a while as i remember that 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 we did super business after wrestlemania usually there's a big drop in a in, in the gates and the, yeah that heart attack tour that i did with owen was a great tour we we sold out everywhere and we did big business for for the WWF uh, back then, and uh, right up until SummerSlam, and that's why uh, 
I think Owen lasted like he he took that heel challenge. There was a lot of guys like even Pat Patterson that didn't think Owen could carry the you know carry it and didn't think Owen was capable of being a heel. You know, for, for the for the first time in years, the WWE had a or WWF had a natural heel who was really who he was because it was you know Yokozuna Crush. Uh, the Undertaker, Sergeant Slaw, all these characters, but Owen's the first one in the, since I can possibly, since maybe Randy Savage, but he was even more of a character than Owen, where Owen just being himself was the top heel in the company. Yeah, and 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 Owen, um, you know, it was it was a it was his first chance to really uh, show everybody that he could be a top guy. He, a lot of people believed Owen could be a top guy. He, basically been a top guy, I think, in Japan. And, you know, it was always there, but they, for some reason, I think they had Vince or Pat or maybe both of them had doubts about Owen all the time. And uh, when they came to that uh, that storyline with me, they they sort of reluctantly let me do it with Owen rather than one of my other brothers. And, uh, and it paid off for everybody, including Owen. And I think uh, everybody was really happy for... for I know my brother Bruce wasn't too happy because it was supposed to be him, but it was it was just always it was always better off that it was all and Owen was For the right sure. guy and, and uh, you know, I always tell people like you can imagine I just can imagine the match I would have had with my brother Owen or my brother Bruce say at Survivor Series instead of my brother Owen. It would have yeah. just been so much so much more of a disappointment for people. Yeah. For sure. Um Ace, you got a question for Brett? Yeah, Brett, like I said it's a... Uh before we started the show, it's a pleasure to uh, be to speak with you. But um, I've always been curious that, you know, back in 97, after everything that went down with the uh, at the Survivor Series, what happened in the ring and in front of the fans, I've always been curious what was going through your mind when you were making your way back to the curtain. Can you tell us a little about what, what, what you were just, what you were thinking when you were walking from the ring to the curtain and back into the locker room? Well, you know, I think I was just still letting the, the gas off for the fumes off, you know, like uh, blowing some hot air. I, I think I was pretty mad right until I started walking back to the dressing room, and uh, I think I saw my son, um, or he came up to me, or he was waiting for me there. And as soon as I saw my son, I didn't like the idea of him seeing me angry or violent, and uh, yeah. so I I immediately just dropped, uh, you know, my whole sort of my whole temper sort of dropped immediately, like dropped real low. And you can see where I'm walking with some Japanese reporters and that, uh, I think with my son walking back to the restroom. And, uh, you know, I'm pretty calm by that time. I, I, I'm kind of like that. I, I think I, I resigned myself to what happened. You know, I got screwed in the middle of the ring and no one's ever going to know except for me. And they made a fool of me. So that was what I thought, you know, I, you know, I wasn't sure how to interpret what happened. But I was very humiliated, I'll say that much. And uh, at the same time, I felt that I did everything right and I stood my ground and I tried to be honest and I tried to be straight with Vince. And, you know, the, the, the ironic truth about that whole day is that <clears throat> I didn't need to be there. Like, I only had to work uh, 200 days or something for Vince with me. I might have been like 175 days, I think, that year. And uh, I was already up to like 215 days. I was, I could have just said, I'm, I've already filled my contract for this year. I just, I was trying to be business and trying to be, um, I was trying to be good. I was, um, you know, it wasn't all about, um, 
what people think it was sometimes. So this, I was trying to find the right way to leave with it. So my problems were all with Sean, I think, at the time. But uh, anyway, I'm digressing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, uh, Matt, you got a question. Yeah, uh, this is, Brett, I'm going to warn you, this is a real geeky question, but considering I'm hosting a wrestling podcast, I probably can't get any geekier than I already am. But um, one of the staples of the Hitman character over the years was always your wrestling gear, obviously, you know, the, the pink and black um, was part of your brand. And like I told you, I've been watching the Raws um, and even the, the older pay-per-views on the network, and I noticed that your gear had gone through an evolution over the years with, you know, the addition of the skull and wings to your heart when you went solo, in 94, you got, like, paint splotches on there, and then, like, the skull and wings got bigger uh, when you became a heel in 97. So my question is, like, did you have any creative input in the design of your gear, or did, you know, you kind of put it in the hands of the of uh, the seamstress or whoever was back there, and then, like, look, wow, this is really, really cool, or did you really have some creative input in, in the evolution of your gear? Well, I'll, I'll explain it like this, is that, uh, first of all, I, I designed all my own gear. Mm-hmm. I designed my jackets. Uh, like I, I had a rough idea of what I wanted, and uh, I did have girls that uh, that originally worked for just me, and I eventually got them jobs working with Vince, and they became. I think they're still working there now. In fact, doing all the uh, the, the gear for everybody, but then they made great gear for me. And uh, but I, most of the ideas from the skulls and the the, the you know everything that I had went back to. Before before I ever met them and with my own stuff. You know, even the uh, the coats with the lapels, mm-hmm. uh, with uh, the epaulettes and all that stuff, uh, that was all from, uh, you know, the Hart Foundation days and Jim Neidhart. And, you know, I thought of all that stuff. I designed Jim's and my stuff. And, you know, the even the pink and black was, uh, oddly enough, um, you know, it was such a funny thing that it became such a, a good color for us, you know. I remember saying it was my, it was my lucky color all the time. I made nothing but money with that color. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. That people saw the pink and black and they knew it's Art of Foundation. Um, so you can let us know how, when you got to go because I know you're going to some events. So what do you think? Ten more minutes or? Yeah, about ten more minutes. Okay, cool. Um, I have to ask you about this because uh, Matt and and Ace they know my favorite feud ever is you and Steve Austin. Um, uh, late 96 early and through to 97 um, and the reason I loved it is because it felt real the matches were amazing the promos were, were money and both of you guys were elevated during the feud and that and that's the whole point of the feud right you gotta kind of get to that next, next level and I think WWE was smart enough to realize the crowd was supporting Austin even though he's more of a natural hero and they, they weren't necessarily against you but your character made sense that you lashed out and I remember that promo when you were in the cage and you were yelling about everything that was like one of my favorite promos I've ever seen from you. Um, so my question is, uh, while you're doing those promos and those matches and that segment, like the ambulance segment um, on Rod, did you know at the time, and specifically WrestleMania 13, did you know at the time as you're doing it that you guys were on to something really special? Do you get a chance to kind of say, wow, we're doing something amazing? Or or is it too hard to enjoy it while it's happening? You know, the truth is you, I didn't know a whole lot of what was going on. <laughs> Just kind of um, happened, right? That was all the 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 heel turn or the idea that Vince was going to turn me heel. I can't remember exactly, but I only think it was a couple of weeks before uh, WrestleMania, maybe even ten days, or you know, and that was just me turning heel. There was no more really 
we didn't know much. Um, to be honest, neither me nor Steve, I don't think, was really that pumped about working against each other at WrestleMania. Not that we didn't like each other at all. We were really just disappointed that uh, we were kind of thrown together at the last minute. Was I always thought it was going to be me and Sean at uh, WrestleMania yeah. that year, and uh, I kind of got swerved on that. So I felt a little bit, uh, I felt a little jilted by. by uh, you know, by Vince that we hadn't stuck to what the plan was that that I was told before I came in, kind of thing. So, uh, and Steve, I think, was just like, "Geez, we already worked at Survivor Series, I already uh, put him over, and uh, now I'm working with him again. I don't know what they're going to do." And I think he was kind of like, just you know, just kind of like felt that we were just thrown together without a lot of thought, and that's kind of how I took it too. And we didn't really. We were big fans of each other, and we we were really ha- you know loved working with each other. But we just felt like they had put us together the right way, and so we kind of felt like just to add it on match or a throw in or I don't know. We had I didn't really even get pumped about the match. Yeah. I remember when I got there to the building. I remember we kind of went out to the ring and we stood out there and started talking about what the hell we were going to do because we didn't really know. And the submission match itself is kind of limits you. Like you got no pinfalls, you got no one, two, threes, or one. You know, like it changes a lot of the dynamics of the pace of the match because you have to use uh, submission holds for your for your for your your highlights of the match kind of thing. And uh, so we kind of went out there, we're kind of not liking the confines of the match and wishing that if we'd had, we know we were working with each other, we would have done different, something else or built it different or. I don't know, we just kind of went in there kind of like we didn't really know what they wanted, and we just started to kind of take everything that happened, and, you know, we just kind of pieced it together how we would look at it from, uh, like, what the Bret Hart character should be doing and what, you know, what Steve's character was doing. And, I, you know, I remember when we talked about how we should start it. I always thought the way we did start it was the perfect way to start it. It's like two gunfighters getting ready to you know, staring at each other down and then go for it, you know. And yeah. Steve was great the way he just tackled me right off the bat. And there was some, there's some great, brilliant um, psychology in the match with Steve. Oh, yeah. I, uh, there's so many things I love in the match that uh, stand out today. But this reek of uh, logic and realism and, you know, like there was a part in there where Steve Austin um, punching the, daylights out of him in the corner and he just winds up and kicks me right in the crotch and I fall backwards. <laughs> but it, if you watch Classic. that, there's no comedy, there's no laughing or anything. It's, it's dead either. serious. It's like yeah. it's like a school fight between two guys fighting in the back of the school and everybody's watching like this intense fight between uh, some badass and another guy. And uh, I think we both, it was a good, people were getting their money's worth and they saw this is a hell of a fight. And they, with a, Steve started to turn the Turn the momentum, you know. With the, you know, it always happens when you when you're bleeding. It changes a lot of things. And uh, you know, I'll just say I, I thought the match uh, was was put together perfectly by the by the two of us. We we knew what we wanted to do, and you know, I didn't know anything the next day about my turn being quite so um, so sudden. You know, I know. I think I might have had an idea that me and Steve were kind of switching places. Uh, and that's how I remember describing it to Steve, I think, at ringside. Uh, you and me are kind of switching places as of tonight. Yeah, and and this is what we're going to do. And this is how we kind of looked at it and said, this is how I think we should build it. And we kind of put together a really good, you know, as you look at it today, it goes, it's the psychology of the match is just, uh, it's just perfect. And, 
you know, I didn't really do that much wrong. <laughs> you know, but you can see when I walk back to the dressing room, I'm not loved anymore. And when you see me walk out, they cheer me like crazy. It's, you know, they that crowd loved me when I walked out. And I didn't do anything but kick his ass, you know. Yeah. And that's all I did, and he deserved it. He didn't cheat me and jump on <laughs> me at every turn. And, you know, he cost me the rumble, and he cost me this, and he cost me that, and he cost me the title. And, I mean, it was like there was lots of reasons for me to be really fed up with Steve Austin and want to really lay it on to him. And you'd think that crowd would have got behind me, but instead they felt <laughs> bad for him, you know. And yeah. that's the brilliance of, uh, that's the brilliance of the angle, of, yeah. of, of the whole thing, yeah. It was really well done. I like to think of it as a school fight. It had all that... Um, all the makings of a really good classic school fight between the tough, two toughest guys in the school. I'm gonna go fight after school. Yeah, like I, I think of it too. like a like my favorite movie kind of thing. I could watch it 50 million times and I'm never gonna get sick of it. I, I just I could, I could, I know the spots that are coming, but I still love it. You know what I mean? Like it's timeless classic. Ace, you got a question for Brett? Yeah, um, I never know if I get this opportunity again, but I'm I'm very curious, Brett, if you could step in a ring with three guys, three guys between the time of your departure in the w, for the WWF in 1997 and now, who would they be and why? Um, well, I think if I could pick three guys, I'd probably pick. Uh, I would love to have worked with Kurt Angle. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, he would have been just a lot of fun. I would love to have. Um, I would love to wrestle John Cena just because I think I would have had some. I would have had a real, especially the Bret Hart of 1997 that were the heel oh, yeah. that we were just sort of talking about. Uh, I guess the John Cena sort of the the All American kind of uh, good guy. I think um, that'd be amazing. Let's just say I could have. I could if I could have somehow worked with John Cena right after, um, you know, right after Survivor Series instead of ever leaving for WCW. It would have been great for my character. Or character that kind of baby like yeah. John yeah. Cena, and then for the third guy, um, um, I would have to say I would love to have wrestled uh, Punk. Yeah. Oh yeah, Punk. Oh, that'd be Punk amazing. would have been uh, yeah. a really uh, perfect guy for me to work with. Maybe on on the other level, you know, someone uh, he might have he might have to carry me through the match, but. Uh, <laughs> He you had some big promos with him, though, in 2012. Your promos were very good together. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's a, he's a, was a real talent. I, I I miss him off the shows. I hope that uh, I hope that he makes some kind of uh, comeback someday. Everybody goes back, right? Yeah, well, you hope. Know, well, maybe. You said never. You know, he may be the one smart smart one to get out before he's yeah. uh, in a wheelchair. Well, Randy but never yeah. came back. Savage, right? Savage is like the only one that. Um, I know you got to get going. You're going to a concert tonight, right? So um, let's let's talk about this X Fest that you're going to be at in in Calgary on uh, August 30 and 31st. The Stewart Championship Belt. Why don't you talk about that? It's called the Bret Hart Invitational Tournament. The Stewart Championship Belt. What do you what does it well, mean to you to have that? Well, I think um, it's important for me that um, some young wrestlers get a chance to uh, show their skills in front of a. A, a real good, good-sized crowd that's going to be pumped and ready for uh, to watch something as they're setting up the uh, next act kind of thing. But I just think it's a great opportunity to, um, you know, to bring something to Calgary that, uh, that people aren't seeing. And I think uh, Davy Billy Smith Jr. or Dave, Harry Smith uh, Bolo awesome kid is, uh, is a great, yeah. great talent, and it's a great, great match in Japan to, recently. To, yeah. 
Yeah, and 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 all, all the guys that are going to be on the show are all, you know, good young wrestlers that um, have either made their mark either in WWE or at least uh, on their way maybe trying to get there. And uh, it's just going to be a good uh, weekend for for people that watch some good wrestling while they're watching a good concert and uh, take in a little bit of both and uh, use one to sort of uh, cleanse the other, like sort of like uh, you know when you have sushi and you have the the ginger, you know. Um, <laughs> there together. you go. Going together, yeah. And I think the, the Bret Hart name is obviously very strong. And it's pretty cool that there's a belt named after your father, Stu, right? Oh, I have to tell you about this belt. It's been made by Reg Park. Um, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to be an awesome-looking belt. It's going to be the nicest-looking belt that you've seen for a long time. It's, uh, right. it's one that somebody put a lot of love and attention into. And it's going to be... A classic-looking belt, and uh, we're going to make this a big event. And hopefully, you know, uh, the Stu Hart belt will be more and more every year. You know, we want to make this thing a prestigious thing, an important thing, and maybe a sort of a passing of the torch. To maybe some young wrestler will win it all the time. Different wrestlers will win it, and uh, it'll be one of the big accomplishments on their way to the, the top when they get to the WWE, say. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I look forward to Got seeing what the belt looks Got my money on Harry, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm looking forward to seeing the belt because I actually heard about it, but I don't want to give it away. Um, and I just want to say thanks so much for joining us. And you're doing an appearance, I know, in, in Windsor, Ontario in October. That's about two hours from me, so I'm going to come see you. I'm going to talk to you there. And maybe we could watch your match with Bret Hart. I mean, with Steve Austin at WrestleMania 13. <laughs> <laughs> I got WWE. All right, maybe. All right, well, I'm all for it. I have no problem watching I'd love to watch it. <laughs> I look forward to meet you. I, I, I know Natalia and, and TJ really well. They're good friends of mine, and um, I, I appreciate uh, all that your family's done in the business and all that. And, and I'm glad you could join us. I hope you can come back another time. You want to plug something, or we could just talk wrestling history when you got more time. That's all cool. Right. Yeah, we um, really appreciate it. We have a ton of questions, so we would love to see you again. All right, we'll do it again sometime. Sure. Okay. Thanks, Brett. Uh, have all a good night. All right. Okay? Take care, guys. All right. Thanks, Brett. Thanks, Brett. Yeah. We gotta just like exhale right now and just kind of say, I know. Wow. you know what See, I mean." The journalist, the journalist in me kept wanting to ask follow-up questions because uh, you know he touches on something and I wanted to expand on it, but you're only given so much time. So I, it was, uh, you know, trying to keep my cool here, but uh, that was pretty awesome. Yeah, he's he's on his way to a concert. I think he probably would have given us more time, but he's going to concert and it starts in about 20 minutes from now, so he's got to kind of get to the venue and that kind of thing. And, um, he's got to get to. He's got to get to hear free phone. That's I mean. He's, yeah, he's, he's going to see Tom Petty. Yeah, it's pretty Tom cool. Petty. Um, so yeah, I mean, he he probably would have given us more time. I know he's done longer interviews mm-hmm. in the past, but I mean, the fact that he would come on live and talk to us, you know what I mean? Like that's pretty sweet. Um, and I I want to thank Brent, a guy named Brent Donnelly, for setting it up. He's he's yeah, thanks, kind Brent. of running. Appreciate that. He's kind of running okay. the X Fest, and um, and so he said he's he's got he's got that book for some other things in the new year probably so we'll probably be able to get Brett on maybe we'll have him on for two hours who knows um I'm definitely going to go see him at he's going to be at an indie show in October so it's only about two hours for me so I'm going to kind of make a trip there and and just kind of go there and see him because because he does a lot of appearances I don't know if you've seen Matt that he's kind of you're kind of near New York right you're in Connecticut so yeah he's done a lot of appearances in the New York area but I'm sure they sell out on everything too yeah but I think, yeah, I think it's I, cool. I, I, like he, he kind of goes to WWE whenever they call him, and then he kind of does indies once in a while and like signings. Like he, he probably doesn't need to do it, but he wants to do. It, you know what I mean? Like he doesn't have to come on and talk to 
a bunch of dudes in their early 30s like us, but, you know, yeah. he appreciates it and stuff, and he really cares about the fans. And, you know, and I think it's, I think that tournament, that idea that they're doing this George Championship belt and that kind of thing, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, you know, and I, I got to thank you, Johnny, for hooking it up, too. There was probably like 1% of me in the back of my head saying, this ain't happening until I hear his voice. So when I when I finally heard his voice, I was like, yes, Johnny pulled through. So good job with that one. Way to hook it up. Yeah, I mean, uh, I got to think Brent Donnelly, like I said, he kind of contacted me and stuff. So he's, he's a DJI reader and all that kind of stuff. So I'm basically going to kind of take some quotes that Brett gave us and kind of promote this X-Fest thing and send it to the wrestling site to get it out there more. Hopefully we can kind of get guests like that. I'm not saying every guest we're going to have is Bret Hart caliber. There's only a handful of wrestlers ever that are Bret Hart caliber, but um, it's pretty awesome. So I, I'm still kind of on cloud nine. I don't know how we move on. I, I, I had Dude, to, what we got to talk had, about now? What happened? SummerSlam? Oh, God. I had to, I had to yeah. Google the, the Calgary area code because I, I saw a number pop up, and I was like, oh, crap. I kind of got nervous, and I had to quick Google it, and I was like, I told John, I was like, I think he's on. I I should maybe talk to him for a second. It's like 30 seconds before the show starts, and I, like, ner- I was. Yeah, if you couldn't hear the theme bit. song, by the way, just wanted to let oh, you know. Sorry, sorry. I I I know it play. I, I may not have had that. Uh, you, yeah, you, and I'm you like, know. oh god, there's going to be technical difficulties now. We oh, never that's had what I was. Difficulty. That's what I was worried about because it was like it was about a year ago on the Macho Man Radio Show. I had Paul Charchian scheduled to be on, and we had a huge thunderstorm, and I lost power. So, and yeah. I. And I couldn't I couldn't get a hold of him and I was I I I was so pissed but um man that was cool I I I, I think I tweeted uh, I got I got goosebumps about four times during that interview that was that was awesome <laughs> yeah it's pretty cool like I you guys have probably seen my Facebook and Twitter I kind of flooded with my bare heart picture uh when I met them at WrestleCon um you kind of you're kind of in the line and stuff I was I was at the event with Mickey James, I was at her table for the two days and stuff, and then at the end of the Sunday, I'm like, I gotta just go say hi. They were like 20 feet over from me. I'm like, they're like, oh, you can go free. I'm like, no, I'm gonna pay 30 bucks. I, I don't mind paying to see Anvil and Jim Hart just because, I mean, Jim Neidhart just because all the memories they did. I mean, we didn't even get to talk about the Art Foundation. We didn't, even, you know, we, we all of us kind of had three or four questions right now. So we, we could seriously do like a, a 10 hour phone call. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> No I mean, I, I heard him on the Wrestling Observer radio on the website. It's a paid site, but, I mean, he talked with Meltzer and, and Alvarez for an hour and a half, and I was just like, it's, it's amazing. You just kind of listen to that kind of stuff. And you, When he was on with Austin's podcast, like that, I, I was barking out like crazy. And Matt, you've known me for like 10 years. You know how much I love that feud and how much I've read it for yeah. years. And just, just to kind of... I just said to him at the end, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to come and watch some matches. <laughs> He's like, sure. So, yeah, I would I would go crazy if I did that. Because like I said, it's kind of like you're, it's kind of like a favorite movie. You watch it so many times. Like, like I'll watch The Godfather 2, even though I've seen it 30 times, because it's on all the time, right? But, um, yeah, it's pretty it's pretty surreal to have that. And it makes I, me I kind of think I didn't waste my life doing all this writing about wrestling stuff, so it's okay. I think, yeah, I, think exactly. I think I think I think what's cool about that is like you can you can t- genuinely tell that Brett loves talking about it because um, prior to the show starting, I I told him he asked he asked me uh, how much how long that we were thinking, and I said we were told about a half hour. And then I know his phone kind of cut a little bit and said he didn't think that was going to be um, he, th- he thought that would be too long. Um, and then he went a half hour with us, so I'm I'm sure if he didn't have something to do, he would have stayed longer. But despite you know, I know John, you even said he he's got some long answers. I'm sure he you know he loves talking about this stuff. It's you know he he knows the the contribution that you know he's given to the wrestling industry along with his family, and 
Uh, I mean, telling these stories are, are you know, I'm, I'm sure he loves to. I mean, I'm, I'm, he doesn't see. He seems like, you can you can tell when 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 a guy being interviewed generally does not want to be talked like talk too mm-hmm. much, give too many answers. Like um, I remember when I first started doing the re- the the radio show almost five years ago, the first major guest I ever had was Mr. Anderson, and he, and, I, and I was told 15 minutes. He stayed an hour. Um, mm-hmm. So I mean, it's it's very cool to to hear Brett and hear his uh, his experiences, and and he I mean he, he wasn't stopping. He 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 wouldn't let us talk. Yeah, you know, especially oh, we're not you, you got into uh, when he gets into the actual putting of the matches together. And discussing the psychology behind putting the matches together. I mean, uh, wait, wait, tell me about SummerSlam '91 and Kurt Henning, and he would probably be able to do it. Tell me about, uh, you know. Oh. Uh, and I mean, we've read his books and, and watched the DVDs, but it's still fascinating to hear. And and I mm-hmm. think he he mentioned in, in his in his past interviews that he like kept notes about stuff. Like he would have matches, and then we'd go to hotels, and then he would like jot things down and stuff. Because I think it was his dad that told him to kind of document everything, just so he could kind of have it. And then when you read his book, which was like 550 pages, amazing detail and stuff. And and it's not like, he's not like a Hulk Hogan or, you know, I love Shawn Michaels, but Hulk, Shawn Michaels' book was probably had some lies in it too, right? Mm-hmm. So, and Brett, I think when you read Brett's book, he's kind of like, kind of like a Jericho and Foley. I think those are the three best books um, by wrestlers. Uh, I think, you know, there's a lot of truth in it and that's kind of why we like it so much. Some people that don't like Brett maybe is just because he's so honest sometimes. And a lot of people in wrestling are phony, and I think people respect how genuine Brett is. And then the cool thing is, I mean, when we were talking about wrestling today, and we're going to talk about SummerSlam, I mean, those guys are like our age, right? There's a lot of guys uh, in their late 20s, early 30s. Who who did they grow up watching? Brett and Sean, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's that's the guys. Like, without Brett and Sean... You know, in the mid-90s, WWE was pretty bad, and, and Owen and that kind of stuff. So, you know, that's why when Brett goes to shows, you can kind of see WWE paying tribute to him and that kind of stuff. And, I don't know, it's so cool. Um, like, there's so many things I wanted to ask him. I mean, we all had, like, four or five questions jotted down, but mm-hmm. you can only get through so much. And hopefully we have him on again, and we'll Love try to work that again. out. Yeah. Yeah, appreciate um, that, Johnny. Well, Jimmy, but, Jimmy Corderas has his work cut out for him. So, yeah, Jimmy stayed on though. You know, we, hey, we love Jimmy. Jimmy's very. I, good. I, I, I was, Jimmy, we're listening. Get on here. I know, and I'm, I'm sure he would have appreciated. It. I just that was just a joke for, for him. So. We could have had Jimmy do a question for Brett and surprise him because I know they're good friends. Um, every Canadian's a friend. We all know each other. It's a small country. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you all look alike too. I'm completely yeah, racist. We all look alike. Canadian. We talk the same. Yeah, I don't With think you or Brett have. I don't think me or Brett have an accent, although he's from Alberta. Like the people, you absolutely have a Canadian accent. So does he. You both do. Yeah, we don't really think it, but whatever. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it, it's pretty cool. And I, I mean, he's been off for ten minutes, and we're still talking about it. So that's kind of tell you. Um, I'm sure the people listening to it kind of understand why we're. Yeah, excited. nothing. I must go. <laughs> Uh, I feel bad that we couldn't get any reader questions in, but we really only can get six or seven questions. Because the cool thing about Brett is, I mean, when you do an interview with someone, like Case is saying, if you talk to them and they give like a 30-second answer, then it's kind of like, okay, that wasn't long enough. But with Brett, yeah. I mean, he goes in great detail, and that's the kind of insight that we have him on for, right? So uh, it was really cool. And um, episode number 50, I mean, hey, it's a yeah. nice number. we got a huge guest, and um, that's it. Um, so let's talk about some current. So SummerSlam, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of on a high still. 
it was a pretty, it was a good, good show. I, uh, as far as SummerSlams go, the past few years of SummerSlams have been kind of top heavy. You know, like two really really good matches and a little bit of filler. Um, I think they said like they were trying. Yeah, you know, like last year and the year before and the year before that. Um, and I think that they really, you could tell they were really pushing, keeping, getting the interest up so that people could keep going with the six month commitment on the network. But the problem, that's, uh, that's this month, right? That it, yeah, August. So that's a, the six months yep. is all expired now. Unfortunately, the stream was messed up, and I had to keep uh, refreshing it, and it kept, kept skipping and things like that. I mean, it didn't completely, I, I didn't get any uh, complete loss, but I definitely had a lot of record skipping and pauses and things like that. So from a technical standpoint, it actually wasn't that good, but uh, the quality of the paper view top to bottom, I would say, was a couple of, down parts here and there, nothing too bad. Uh, it was one of the better top to bottom SummerSlam cards in a while. Yeah, I think I think one of my one of my things that I wrote was there was nothing that was a match of the year. I don't think anything was four stars. Maybe Ambrose Rollins, uh, mm-hmm. but there was nothing that was that bad either. So it's kind of like like you were saying last year SummerSlam was a two match show. I remember Christian W as the third match was pretty good. Obviously, those two are solid workers. Uh, we should probably talk about the Rio at some point too, by the way. But, mm-hmm. um, oh yeah. But you know what I mean? Like, it wasn't an amazing show, but it wasn't bad at any point. It's like it, sometimes you're watching a pay per view and and you get bored, or, or there's like two or three bad segments. There was no bad segments really. There's no Adam Rose comedy. And I read a mm-hmm. report that there was going to be some backstage segments uh, that they just totally cut out. They just wanted to make it a wrestling show. Like if you watch a show, there was barely anything backstage. So it's pretty cool that they they kind of focus on the wrestling. I think that's something they should do more on pay-per-views. You, you know got to once you know, in a while, but not too much. Well, you know what else they do? They've been saving a lot of the big moments for Raw because there's more eyes on it. I actually felt like this was kind of like an actual pay-per-view where if you didn't turn in, tune in, you actually missed something. You missed all the title changes. You missed Nikki turning on Brie. You know, uh it wasn't just a show of, of good to great wrestling matches that, yeah, you know, you feel like you got your money's worth of yours and network, but, I mean, if, if I paid 55 for it, I would have thought that I got my money's worth on it. I haven't been able to say that about a, few, a lot of the ones that they've been able been putting on lately. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good Yeah, yeah. I, uh, actually, I want to go off of the point matches, man. Um, you know, ever since the network has came around, you know, I, you know, normally – I, I, you know, would normally get, you know, maybe four pay-per-views a year, but now, you know, I've watched the last six. I haven't, I haven't been disappointed watching it. I mean, sure, they might not, they might not have been the best of pay-per-views, you know, mixed in there, but I was satisfied with what I watched because I think the, I think the nine ninety nine a month kind of, kind of makes, makes me uh, feel a little bit better about what I'm watching. It feels not like if I don't, if I spend fifty bucks on a terrible show, then I'll be pissed off about it. But no, uh, I thought SummerSlam was was very good. Um, you know the the way it started off to the way it ended. I, I you know the main event was was so different and so unique, being that you know everyone was kind of waiting for that moment. I was watching with C Mac, and you know you know he was waiting for John Cena to to get the advantage and then win. And he was convinced John Cena was going to win that match. And I told him, I was like, I, I don't think so. I, I think this is Lesnar's night. And, and, and just the offense that Lesnar put on, on John Cena and, and made him look like a rag doll, you know, was, uh, was very different. We don't, we don't normally, like, like we talked about, you know, we, we don't see that 
out of a champion and out of a main event like that where it's completely one sided. It's it's a uh, it's a you know Lesnar Lesnar destroyed him and it it was a very interesting pay per view and I'm I'm more curious to see what they're going to how you know how they're going to book Lesnar now in the next few months and and what he's going to do. Um, but what also makes me curious is how they're going to book Rollins with the briefcase. So Rollins is probably going to be sitting on it a while, in my opinion. Yeah, he will. I won't expect that. The way I got to figure is that Reigns takes it from Lesnar and then Rollins cashes in on Reigns. Um, yep. At least that you know, plans can change. But I don't think they're going to be seeing Rollins cash anything in while Lesnar's the champion. No way, no how. Oh, no way. Well, Lesnar's not going to be there most of the time, so <laughs> he can't cash it. Um, Lesnar's actually, they, they announced tonight, I'll talk about the match in a sec, but they announced on main event, they're getting out of the way quickly, they're doing Cena-Lesnar uh, the rematch at Night of Champions, which is five weeks away, there's actually a five-week break between SummerSlam and Night of Champions, so, and and right now, Lesnar's only booked for the last Raw before the pay-per-view, so three weeks, no Lesnar on the show. So do you Rollins, really need him? Do you really need him though? Cause no, I mean you there, got Heyman he's there. Standing there and Heyman talking. Heyman can talk whether he's there or not. It actually I'm just saying that he's not there. I'm just saying I get daily questions. What are they going to do with Lesnar? What are they going to do with Lesnar? What are they going to do? Because I think people are so used to every pay per view has a champion defending the title. They're so used to it. But I mean, we're, we're old. We remember the days when there was four pay per views. You didn't see the champion in the match until. You know, WrestleMania than SummerSlam. Like Hogan rarely wrestled on television, right? He, he was never on mm-hmm. WWE Superstars. In main event, you, Saturday Night you, Main Event. Yeah, mm-hmm. you would get him on Saturday Night Main Event. So I mean, you would get like five televised Hogan matches in a year, basically, or six or whatever. And you know, obviously things have changed. Attitude and Monday Night Wars and all that kind of stuff. Uh, things have changed dramatically, but you know, the, that's what they're doing with Lesnar. And people are saying, oh, don't why they put on Lesnar if, if he's only going to work four matches and it's just. You know, he's an investment, and then you could kind of build up somebody for next year's WrestleMania, which we think is Roman Reigns, but, you know, maybe it's Dean Ambrose, because, I mean, he's, he's really on fire right now. But, you know, who knows? Um, regarding it, really Cena, adds, it really adds legitimacy, because you look at yeah. UFC and boxing. Yeah, I mean, that's how they should have booked him two and a half years ago, right? Well, he had the diverticulitis, so, yeah. so they say. But, yeah, um, but yeah, the champion should only be appearing four or five times a year, uh, you know. And then all the minions, all the, you know, all the, all the, 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 the schlubs on the bottom of the card have to uh, grind daily just to even get a shot at the king. I think it's great. But I may yeah. be in the minority there. Yeah, as for the, as for the match, I don't mind. I, I'm a huge Lesnar mark. I mean, I think if he was around full-time, he'd be the rest of the year just because there's no one else like him. And but I think if he's on full time, then it kind of spoils it. Because I mean, what are you going to watch Lesnar and tag matches kind of thing? It's, we saw it ten years ago, and it was cool. But I don't. I just that's not what the characters. And I think it's it's good to have different characters. And I mean, even Cena's missed three of the last five draws. So I mean, he's not on every week anymore. He had the movie commitments, and you know, he'd probably be on more often going forward because I think the movie is done filming, but or close anyway. But. I mean, the match was 16 minutes of 95% of Brock Lesnar offense. There were 16 German suplexes, I believe. And a few of them, Cena, like, took on his neck. Like It was like watching Japan, like a dragon suplex. Or you know, it was just kind of, he was flinging them. And Cena, you know, he's trying to get his arms out and take the bump normally. But it, it kind of looked like wrestling bump school where you're just falling down, arms extended. Like, it was just the same bump over and over. And 
it was weird. Like, like Lesnar doesn't do the Camaro lock anymore. Remember that he was doing that a couple years ago. I think because they didn't want to have seen him break the hold and, and kind of make Lesnar look weak. So they just made Lesnar look like a beast, and when he hit that five, that was it. I kind of liked that the attack of that five right at the beginning of the match. I did, too. I did, too. Uh, it was like Brett said, like, with his match with Austin, you just kind of start on fire. And and that's kind of the way you went, you went over the fans and stuff. And I think people were kind of expecting a scene to come back just because we've seen it so much. Like, we didn't see the five-knuckle shuffle. We didn't see the shoulder blacks, but I, I believe when they wrestled in 2012, they, we didn't really see that stuff either. It was mostly Lesnar on offense, Cena one with the chain, right? It was all pure desperation. I'll tell you. Yeah. Cena's like, firing before. comebacks were great. I thought he was tremendous. Like, I thought Cena did a tremendous job. It was one of his best performances in the sense that here's a 15-time world champion that just put over a guy like we never seen in our lifetime. I mean, yeah, Meltzer mentioned it was Bruno San Martino did something like that, but he was a face. And this was a heel doing it, right? So, yeah. Um, you know, we never seen anything like that before. Like, you're gonna remember that match because we never yeah. seen anything. We're gonna remember a 2012 match because, you know, it's funny. It's funny really you said anything. that. It's funny saying you were gonna remember it because this was the first match and Cena at Money in the Bank where I actively wanted to watch it again the next day, which I did. I watched, I watched it, it after before it was Raw. Over. <laughs> but I never yeah. watch matches twice. I mean, there's no yeah. point. There's so much. There's so much wrestling, and then I'm still and I'm using the networks to go back. You know, on a in a time machine in '93 and '94. There's I've ne- I never watch matches from today more than once, and I ha- actively want to go back and watch that match because I did want to be like just exactly how much offense did John Cena get? And it wasn't that much because I I was on Twitter uh, doing people's reactions. I had I had the match in the back, but I wanted to be able just to concentrate. Um, because it was, like I said, it was so different, and it, you know you can't you can't really assign stars. You can't really throw it. Yeah, in. that was a weird one for me. Yeah. Yeah, you can't really throw it in like match of the year discussions because it's a totally it's something completely different from anything we've ever seen. Especially considering it's a top guy who went who whose whole point of the winning all the time and pulling it pulling it out in the most unbelievable of circumstances to the point where it's become like kind of a joke. To see him go down like that, it's it's amazing. Yeah. I, I'm shocked that they did it, but I'm happy that they did it. You know what I mean? Oh, like, I'm so happy that they did it. That was, we we were we were jumping up and down the Seattle household. I I mean I'm I'm writing live and and just to give you my respect, I'm writing live and it's just kind of like it was one of those matches where I didn't have to type as much because it was just kind of German suplex, German suplex. It's not like transition holds, and then. After it's over and I'm posted the thing and I'm like I laundry I, I stuck laundry in so I'm like folding my laundry I watched that match again just without typing and it's just like wow this is really awesome you, and then you could kind of hear the crowd more and things like that and I, I'm such a huge Lesnar mark uh, and I saw an interview with Daniel Bryan on the weekend I don't know if you guys saw it there's a lot of media and, and different people doing interviews I know Meltzer interviewed Sting and Hogan and a bunch of other people and someone interviewed Daniel Bryan and he's like I really want to work with Brock Lesnar and I'm like oh. Like, that's just, he's like, that was the match I was going to be at SummerSlam. I think we all know that was going to happen. And, and, and that's another thing. There is a silver lining to Daniel Bryan's injury. Because yeah, if be he didn't get injured, that would have been him in there getting no offense. And yeah. the the internet would have exploded in a <laughs> negative way. So there the is darling. a silver lining to all of this. Yeah, so Bryan said something about we would have, we him and Lesnar could do a different style. And I think what he's getting at is kind of like what Angle Lesnar did. Because it's kind of like Brian's not an amateur wrestler, but we know he's a technical wrestler, so they could have done more of a, that kind of style. I don't know how much offense Brian would have got, but he's such a good underdog babyface that 
you know, it was similar to Punk Lesnar last year, I think. I think Brock Lesnar and Shawn Michaels would be my dream match. Or, But Daniel Bryan is a pretty good substitute for Shawn Michaels, right? So, mm-hmm. He's pretty much Shawn Michaels <laughs> as far as his <laughs> work. Like, there's not much difference. But, but, yeah, I was a huge fan of it. And I know Ace was partying in the state of Minnesota for their boy Lesnar. So um, their hometown boy, Brock Lesnar. Well, kind of oh, yeah. hometown, but whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, we're all huge fans of Lesnar. I think, like, that's something I've, I, I, every day on Twitter and Facebook, what are they going to do with Lesnar? What are they going to do with Lesnar? Like, I was, I was talking with a buddy earlier today, actually, and I was like, it'd be cool if they did, they did Night of Champions, and then Hell in a Cell, they could maybe do Triple H versus Reigns as the main event, and then you could do Ambrose Rollins, and then Hell in a Cell also. And then you could kind of, and then if they could convince Lesnar to work Survivor Series, maybe put him against Batista or someone like that, somebody of that stature, and just have him kind of maul him. And then he does a rumble. Like, he could skip TLC, then he does a rumble in Mania. That would be five matches of four. All they have to do is convince him to work Survivor Series. And I think, I think it's doable. I don't know, maybe they, they have convinced him, right? Because I think you got to boost the pre-show for Raw, Alex Riley was mentioned they were in the process of working on a full-time contract for Lesnar. I don't know if that's kayfabe or not, but... Yeah. Uh, like if you'd work Hell in a Cell and stuff, yeah. I don't yeah, you got to You got to I figure they probably rework somewhere. He's on every pay per view, and that's about it. Yeah, I mean, if he's on one Raw to do whatever contract signing or stare down, I, he's amazing at those, right? Yeah. Um, like if he was on one Raw for a pay per view, like you said, you got Heyman there. Um, you know, I think that'd be fine, but we don't know the details, and hopefully, you know, Meltzer or someone kind of figures it out, or WWE kind of announces Because I think that's something they have to do, because they want people to sign six-month commitments that are going to be up soon. Uh, you guys, are your commitments up at the end of this month, probably? Mm-hmm. I think mine, yeah, right toward, toward, yeah, towards yeah, the like end of the month. Yeah, or something, yeah. Yep. So, I signed up like a month after, because I was at WrestleMania, so I don't really need to get But, mm-hmm. But I think they're going to have to say, look, there's a title match every pay-per-view, but I mean, I saw Heyman doing interviews leading up to SummerSlam because of his DVD also, and he's saying it doesn't have to be that way again, so I don't know what they're going to do, but I mean, from from a perspective of a fan as a guy that writes about this thing, every this business every day, I really want Lesnar every month, but, you know, not a toss. And, uh, you and, know, and I th- hopefully he signs past WrestleMania 31 also, but we don't know that either. And, and I think Vince, Vince McMahon must realize that too, that Lesnar, you know, he must love Lesnar. Oh uh, yeah, I'm, well I mean he's he, he's just the kind of wrestler, or just the kind of guy that that Vince McMahon likes. But I mean I, I think Vince McMahon knows that he he might be able to work something out with Lesnar. Just he just got to write a check and 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 Lesnar will. Have one more uh, match kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. A couple yeah. more matches in a year. I, I don't. I think Brock likes it. I think he likes wrestling. I, I think so too. In a position where you only have to work twenty days in your life, be good for you. Yeah, I think it was a full time schedule that burned him out before. Yeah, I, I never for sure. He, I mean, he didn't have the passion to it to he put his body through it every day, but he definitely he had passion. He was main eventing UFC shows with 1.3 million buys. I mean, he did it like three or four times like that, right? So, yeah. I mean, he has leverage as a draw, and that, and and so that's why they do it. I mean, him and Rock would be such a huge match. I don't know if that that will happen at WrestleMania. There's a report saying that's what Vince wants, but Hunter wants Reigns versus Lesnar. So, you know, who knows? I mean, him and Rock would be just gigantic because everyone knows those two guys. And Rock and Season did good business, but I think Rock and Lesnar is even bigger. But, you know, that's if I think Austin, Lesnar, because I know Austin, though, it's been 11 years, and I'm not one of those people that says he's going to come back. But did you guys hear when Heyman was on his show and Heyman was, like, pitching the idea of 
Lesnar and Austin. It was just like Austin's like, wow. He's like, that would that would just be amazing. That's the one guy I would probably come back for. It's just like like the biggest badass has to come back to beat Lesnar. But you know that that's but kind Brock of, is so stiff. I'd worry about Austin. Yeah, I know. Well, sure, that's why Austin doesn't want to do it, right? But yeah. if you see Austin though, he's in tremendous shape. Like he's he was at the SummerSlam uh, panel thing that Sting was at, and, and a bunch of other guys. He looks really good shape, and he says his neck doesn't really hurt that much anymore. But he's also not bumping on it, right? So, yeah, he's forty something. He's almost fifty. Yeah, he's seen it almost fifty. Yeah. And let's get let's get one thing straight. Whatever we get of Austin ain't going to be what it was in two thousand one. Yeah. You know well, what I'm saying? Mean, yeah, that's why he doesn't want to come back though. Like that's one of the things I admire about him. When I wrote that thing about Austin and Hogan, and people were getting mad at me, I'm like. He should get credit for leaving before he stunk up the joint like Hulk Hogan had so many bad matches in WCW and stuff, right? But Honestly, no, what happened at WrestleMania 30 to open the show was perfect. Yeah. Only they could have made better if Austin had stunned both of them. Uh, but, yeah, you but know, that's, that's not the route that they wanted to go. Oh, like, we were there at WrestleMania, and you guys know Nick Costas. He was on the show with mm-hmm. us after WrestleMania. And me and him were just sitting beside each other, and we're just like, this is just surreal, just seeing them two, three guys in the ring. I don't even like Hogan that much, but it was just, I respect them. But you recognize that these are the yeah. two biggest stars, yeah. I don't have any personal love for Hulk Hogan, but, yeah. Um, so what did you guys think, Ace? What did you think? Did you see the main event of Raw? It was Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins. I actually saw the ratings today, and it went down really bad in the third hour. I don't know if you guys saw it. Um it was kind of like 4.2 million for the first two hours, and the second hour, the third hour was like 3.75. It was pretty bad. Um, I think what, Brock was the end of Brock was the end of hour two. They just yeah, and, then Brock they said Cena, and they said Cena wasn't there. I think they probably should have put Lesnar on last, even though it was just a title presentation. But you know, the last match was awesome. I think Rollins Ambrose had one of the best matches of the year. It was cool how they did spots. Like they had eight chairs in the ring, and he did a powerbomb onto the chairs. Oh. That was and so then they cool. did the suplex through the table. I mean, those are spots that we would see 15 years ago in every match almost. And yeah. now it's, like, rarely done, so it was a big deal. So, Ace, what did you think? Were, like, Ambrose like was really impressive, I thought. I mean, yeah, Rollins, yeah. I think we know Rollins is amazing, but I think Ambrose is really shining in the face right now. I, I'm, you know... You know, I, I'm I'm a I'm a huge fan of of Amber. I, I've I've been Ambrose has been one of my favorite members of the Shield since uh, since they debuted. I just I just I, I just, he's just different. And I was talking to a buddy about this today at work who who's a wrestling fan too. And we were both we were looking at the three guys in the Shield. Now all three are really good in the ring, but you know you've got you've got Ambrose. You've got you know Ambrose is this you know crazy guy gimmick, but then you have Reigns as kind of this powerhouse, and then you've got got Rollins. It's not a knock on Rollins. I just think. Rollins doesn't do anything for me to um, to stand out like 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 Ambrose and and and, and Reigns, but um, I think both guys put on a hell of a show, and um, the the ending was very cool. Like you said, John, it was probably something we'd see 15 years ago. This whole the whole cinder block uh, uh, styrofoam cinder blocks uh, that that they put his, they put his head through. Was, and Dean um, had his hand. He's had, had his hand between his head and the cinder block, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah, no, I, 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 I thought it, I thought it was, I thought it was a cool ending. It's something that we haven't seen in a while. It's, it's definitely fresh. And um, these two guys, I mean, keep doing it. Hell in it's, a cell, hopefully. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Hell in a cell. We, uh, hopefully, that's the culmination of the feud, and and it'll definitely yeah. be fun to watch. Before we get Matt's thoughts, just for people listening that don't know, Ambrose is he's, he's filming a WWE movie called Lockdown. 
which is a TNA pay-per-view, but it's, it's called Lockdown. Hmm. Um, and it's supposed to be the end of this month, so apparently this is kind of a new angle. When they do those movies, they usually take six weeks or so, like when Miz and Big Show, they were out that long. Miz was out longer because they didn't have a storyline for him, but that's usually how long the filming production is. So I, I think he'll miss Night of Champions. I think they, they could do a match with Rollins. Maybe it's against Sheamus for the U.S. title. Maybe, I don't know, you could do something like that. And then you have Ambrose kind of running and kind of preventing him from winning. And then you could set up Hell in a Cell, so. I mean, I'm all for it. I think Rollins Ambrose can be shoot of the year by the yeah. end of the year, depending mm-hmm. on what happens next. What did you think about it, Matt? Um, yeah, I'm a mark for a good stretcher job. Um, it's when it when it really counts. Yeah. Um, I thought this was a, a good one for, it, especially if he's taking time off. Um, you know, it kind of reminds me of like 1991, where like the heels actually were seriously dangerous. You know, yeah. back in '91, you just think uh, he might have his cover bite your arm or Undertaker might actually put you in a body bag and you can't breathe. You know, when, when, you're, when you're a kid, that's really scary. Um, and then, you know, you got a little bit, you know, lame. But now, you know, you've got a guy who will German suplex you to hell, and then you got another guy who will stomp your face to a cinder block. So I really put over Rollins. I think it put him over so much that he doesn't have anybody in the face now while, while, while Ambrose is out. Yeah. Uh, I don't, you know, the... the Maybe Reigns, but it could, yeah. my idea is Sheamus, just because they need to do yes title match. Rollins should be on the pay per view. They got to do that match, and then you could have Ambrose come in and cost them. Right? Is the U.S. title like the European title now? Is it supposed to be less than the I, I, mean, I guess it has. But to. it's kind of a good mid card match, and we haven't seen it before, right? So I don't yeah. know. it wouldn't be yeah, a bad so. idea. You got to put Rollins in the match. There's going to be five title matches at least. So if, if there's eight matches, you, you do. You might do, like, Orton and, and Rollins against Reigns in a handicap match. I don't know. Just to yeah. make things unfair for Reigns. Or you could put Reigns with another face. I don't know who's out there, but that but, kind of thing. Um, but, yeah. you know what I but mean? Like, the, you only have so many match, options. So, yeah. But as the match itself, I actually like the Lumberjack at, uh, at SummerSlam better just yeah. because I've never seen a good Lumberjack match until yeah, that one. <laughs> So, like, like, my expectations were, 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 were so low for the SummerSlam match, and they were exceeded. It, you know, they, they, they had some very good work in the, uh, you know, in the um, uh, Raw match. Which, by the way, I just want to ask, what's the difference between no holds barred and no disqualification? Because there were two options. Well, I, mean, I, know, I know from Corderas. I know I remember complaining about it once. It's like, well, you could get counted on no disqualification, right? There's no, it never happens, but you could, right? You could get counted on. Well, I guess you could beat somebody outside the ring with a chair and leave them on the ground and then go back in the ring and win because it doesn't say no DQ and no counter, right? So, yeah. but yeah, the stipulations were bad. I I agree. Like street fight, no yeah. hard, false cut anywhere. They're all well, false cut anywhere allows anywhere. Street fight right. technically has to end in the ring, uh, but you know, like I I was making fun of that too. Like stipulations are basically the same thing. They do that at yeah. house shows also. Like, it's like, do you want a street fight or do you want a no-holds-barred bat? And then you got to cheer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Or like, a dance Yeah. So, you know, they, they're not going to bring a steel cage out and say, do you want a steel cage match? Because that's what it's going to be. Cause I, like, I think they could have done a steel cage match at SummerSlam, but I don't think they wanted them to steal the show necessarily. You know what I mean? Like, mm. they don't want to have them have them have a 20-minute match at that show. Maybe at Hell in a Cell <laughs> So we'll see. I hope they get another two or three baby matches. It's been a lot of fun. As Ambrose kind of has, I don't really like the lunatic fringe name. I think it's kind of stupid. Yeah, I think that's stupid too. Yeah, but not everyone. Yeah. Not everyone has to have a nickname. You know, the Viper is unique. 
Um, you know, well, the nicknames like that. like Steve Austin's, really, though, but just a different yeah. name. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Um, let's kind of talk yeah. about – we want to talk about football for the last 10 minutes or so. We've got about 30 minutes left, 27 minutes left. So um, let's kind of talk about Alberto Zaria because if we did this show a week or two ago, I guess it was two weeks now he's been fired. Mm-hmm. Um that would have been that would have been a topic for twenty minutes. Um, and so basically, the gist of the story is this guy uh, in social media manager. His name is Cody Barberia. I actually kind of knew him through mutual friends on Twitter. I didn't really follow him, but I knew some guys that knew him and stuff. And, um, and so he apparently said a racist comment, like somebody told him to clean his table, clean his plate, and he says, "Why don't you get Del Rio to do it?" Uh, which is a Mexican kind of insult right there. And so apparently he got back to the real. He goes up to this guy. He says apologize, and then the guy didn't. And the real kind of bitch slapped him or backhanded him. I don't know if it was a work, if it was a punch. I don't. I think it was a hard slap that kind of knocked him on his ass. So then the real did interviews in the past week. And he said he talked to Triple H the next day and he kind of apologized. And Hunter said we have to suspend you. The real said okay, that's fine. So it probably would have been a suspension for a few weeks. We wouldn't have even known about it maybe. And then. He says a couple of days later they end up calling him and firing him because they want to. Uh, I, I think they're trying to save money, to be honest. Yeah, they I, weren't I, doing anything with him. Michelle, my yeah. wife, and I were talking about it. Like, is it really a, a total loss yeah. when you really think about it? Contract, he was a good hand. He was a good wrestler. His contract was up in February, and he wasn't know. He didn't know if he was going to resign. So, I think you know he's probably making a million or so, or some close to that. Like, he's got a good deal. Uh, when they sign him, he got a good deal. They probably re-signed re- like in the last year or so. So I think he's probably making good money. We kind of know they're doing budget cuts, so I think that's part of it. But I can see them getting in shit about it too because, I mean, you fired a guy for – if other people heard that guy made a racist comment kind of thing, then it's like you're keeping him, but you're losing a guy that's one of your top performers, even though he wasn't pushed lately, right? But, no, I mean, like – I think they they could get in legal trouble if he wants to, but he already appeared at AAA, so I, I think he said he might sue. This was in some interview he did. He might sue because right now in his contract he can't work in the U.S. for like a year. So I don't necessarily think he wants to go to TNA, but I think he'd want. To he might want to get lost wages, and then he might they might settle. So I don't think it yeah. Would, yeah. Might, they, they, they probably gladly do that. Yeah, he might want to work indie shows and that kind of thing. So. Um, so I guess do, will we miss Darby? I don't know if I will. I think I think he's a good wrestler, but he, once they turned a face, it kind of ruined it. Once they took Ricardo away, it kind of ruined it. And it was funny. Meltzer noted about that too. He says him and Ricardo could probably make a good good draw in the Indies and kind of doing their act right. So right. Um, you know, good good luck to them since they both got act. But um, I don't know. Ace, will you miss Darby at all? Uh, no. I mean. <laughs> It, 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 we, all, we all have like the same like like even the same inflection in our voice. Nah, no. Well, see, but the thing is that yeah, I he put on good matches every, every now and then. Like he was he was saw it on TV, like you know the Raws and the the Smackdowns he was on. But it's just like, I mean, the character didn't do anything for me. You know, I mean, he was Hispanic JBL. You know, that's what he was at, at, at some point. And you know, we've seen the character before. Um, yeah, I I I, I totally agree that you know. Alberto or not Alberto, uh, Ricardo made the character in the beginning. Absolutely, um, it was. I mean, j- just the over-the-top introduction, the the cars and everything. So you know, I I, I think that, that that's what made the character interesting in the beginning. But 
but yeah, when he when he turned when he turned babyface, he really was not. Uh, there was nothing special about him. He was, there was, I mean, he was essentially like a Kofi Kingston, where yeah, okay, you're, we we know that you're you know we know that you're the good guy, but what else can you bring to the table? Which was not much. I mean, when you look at like how many people WWE has lost this year to firings, leavings, injuries, you know, Brian Barrett were, were two big hands who are no longer there. Um, you might say to yourself, oh, we, they need everybody who they can get. I think in, uh, not, they did not need Del Rio. I think this is a perfect time to start looking looking down at NXT and say, who can we call up? Yeah. You know, uh, when's Sami Zayn getting in? I think he's beyond ready. Oh, God. Um, you know, when's Tyler Breeze getting in? I think he's got a, a gimmick that could uh, get over. Uh, well, Miz is kind of doing his gimmick now, right? I know, I know, I know. His next movie, maybe they could probably pair him or, you know, or something like he's that. He's a mentor, yeah. Um, yeah, it was a mentor. Then they both were concerned about their face. The talent level on NXT, I mean, you're going to have Kenta, David, and, and Steen on television there, Kevin too. Kevin Steen, man. Oh, that's I, I love you goosebumps. Yeah. I, I thought it was awesome how, how they kind of introduced all those three guys within a few weeks. And, and who knows what's going to happen. I think I think they have a lot of reason to make NXT a quality show, but they don't even promote it on Raw, so it's kind of like, mm-hmm. you got this W Network, you got this original show. You don't even mention it on Raw, basically. And I don't know. I think they should do like a 30-second video. They just kind of say, this week on NXT, this is what happened. Right. And just kind of show a clip and then say, watch it on WWE Network. Like, as you come from Blake, like, instead of the Slam of the Week or whatever, or the 15 replays of Stephanie McMahon segments, spend 30 to 45 seconds and just kind of say, look, this is what happened on NXT. I mean, why not? Um, and, then, and then that way you kind of build stars, but... It's kind of weird that they're going to have so much talent there because you have like 40 people on the NXT roster and it's an hour long. The show, NXT so. roster is better than the WWE roster. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm exaggerating, but... No, you could, put, you could put like a seven-match card together at a live event for two and a half hours. I mean, if it was where we lived, we'd all go. So, yeah. I mean, they basically stay in Florida, but... I, I told I told my friend Sean, you know Sean, Matt, that lives in... The Tampa area. Yeah. I'm like, I want to go to an Orlando taping. He doesn't really watch wrestling anymore, but I'm like, it's basically three hours of taping or four hours. I think they might be doing two hours now, but I'm like, I next time I go visit him in Florida, I want to just go to Orlando too, just kind of see a taping, just kind of see what the atmosphere is like because it looks so much fun. Um, but I know it's not for everyone either because people are so used to the big arenas and, and the production mm-hmm. screen and the fireworks and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Um, what else do we have to talk about wrestling wise? Um, um, we have since, since we last been on, they've been gone on this new advertising campaign, Gorilla the Network, nine ninety nine. Uh, Took them six listen. months to push it. I named the fantasy team nine ninety nine. You guys under my link, but I named it. <laughs> the price point was was not the, the problem. Sell, yeah. Was the sell back in you know January or December when they first unveiled this thing? And that was really a wow and thing. And if that didn't get you then, what is the price point? It's the content. It's what, you know, it's, 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 what, um, it's what the, what the nine ninety nine gets you. You're not just going to throw $10 a month. I mean, yes, the pay-per-views are awesome. And, and uh, the fact you don't have to pay $55 for it, but they should, be hammer, they should be hammering at home and even putting up graphics like, if you want to watch this, you'd have to spend $55. But if you spend you get, for that same money, you'll get SummerSlam. 
and Night of Champions and Hell in a Cell. Like, you know, just show it to us. Some, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe of us are very stupid, but uh, and need to have it right in front of our faces. But 9.99, I I tweeted uh, the fans will chant it, but they won't pay it. Well, I mean, so some are obviously. Um, there was actually a report today. Uh, Meltzer mentioned on his radio show. He said in Canada the numbers are really good, higher than expected, because I think it's uh, 12.99 here. I think so. When you convert or 11.99, I think it's 11.99. I don't know. Um, when you convert to 9.99, it's like 11.05 or something. Because I'm, I'm getting the U.S. version of it, so it's that's how much it's taken from my PayPal. I think the actual conversion is like 10.88, but you know, there's PayPal or whatever. But anyway. Um, I think I think the reason it's successful in Canada because it's on television. I think people can kind of you know put it to channel five twelve. That's a channel and, and say, look, they call to order. You push a button to order, and then it's on your bill for the next month or whatever. So I think that if they did that in the U.S., it probably would have helped. I think if you're they right, had we on, are a, I, we are a couple of years away. Yeah, from because I think people are generally moving over to. I think people are tablet. stupid. Yeah, I think people are stupid and just used to watching television on television. Right. So, yeah. Uh, well, I, I think I think you know they recently you know released each other devices, smart TVs and uh, Blu-ray players. And here's my example. This is I mean they need to they need to work on getting them with more devices. That might be the issue. Is because Sunday this is what 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 you know the last few months CMAC has been coming over to my house. I've been watching it. I've either streamed it on the laptop and put it on the TV, or recently started using my Blu-ray player. So. I asked him. I was, he's like, "Do you want to come over and watch it?" And I was like, "Sure." I was like, "Do you?" Ha- like, do you- I thought he had a Sony Blu-ray player. I was like, "Do you have one?" He's like, "Yeah." I was like, "Okay, we got the same one. Let's, I'll, I'll enter my stuff there and watch it." I get there. His Blu-ray player is a year older than mine and won't get the network because it, it's, it's, it's it really so, so. Yeah. So long story short, we're sitting in front of a 60-inch TV at his house watching it on a 13-inch laptop. Because oh, it because it, it didn't work on uh, that and his laptop didn't have an HDMI hookup. So, but I mean, what what they could do, and this is just, just throwing it out there, Vince. You can take this idea if you want. Maybe increase the prices of your pay per views so it'll justify it. Make your pay per views fifty five ninety nine and fifty nine ninety nine, so that by doing a six month commitment, it's the same as buying one pay per view. There you go. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't think the cost is really an issue with people. I think you could kind of justify 10 bucks a month. I mean, that's a meal or two meals for most people. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, I could spend 10 bucks a month and then have a peanut butter jam sandwich. And, and you know what I mean? Like, that's my lunch that day. That's my justification. But, you know what I mean? Like, it just kind of... The content just, is absolutely worth it. It's beyond worth it. Um, it really should speak for itself, but maybe they're, maybe they're uh, it's just too they're too ahead of the, of the times right now. We're not the public, is, like you said, is not ready right now for uh, watching television on something other than the cable network, and that's just from a mindset from the 80s and 90s and early 2000s, where the only place we get our entertainment is on the tube. You know, like. Um, and I, I like watching the network through my PlayStation. I'm okay with put going on my PlayStation and uh, watching it because I am watching it on TV. But some people can't make that connection. So yeah, like the, um, the guys that are in their late 40s or whatever that have teenage kids or, or kids that are 10 years old that want the network and maybe they don't want to get it that way. You know what I mean? Like they don't want to hook it up to the PlayStation. 
you know, that kind of thing. But if it was on a TV channel, they might have done it. You know yeah. what I mean? So I, I, it's just practical. That's how we grew up with it. I mean, guys like us, obviously, we're all technologically, you know, advanced Sad. and that kind of stuff. That, that's the way the last 15 years of our lives have been. But, you know, it's not for everybody. So, you know, I, I, I think the network's going to be successful in a year or two. I, I had a good talk with somebody about it, just chatting. And a guy that's really, like, kind of into it, and he's like, the model isn't bad. It just people have to get used to it. And then, mm-hmm. obviously, the, the exclusive content is what's going to drive it. So, But they're not adding enough exclusive content. Like, you can't no, say... They're not. Watch WCW Slamboree '98. Like that's not gonna draw people in. So, you know, hopefully they can keep adding documentaries like this Shield one that's gonna be on tomorrow and that kind of stuff. And, you know, they need to do a bit more. Like I think they should do tele. They should do specials with yeah. the full roster on the network instead of just an NXT special. Why don't you just say here's a Wednesday night we're gonna do a network special. Just kind of do like a dream match, or do like a Taboo Tuesday kind of thing, like when the, the fan vote. Do that for mm-hmm. for like a two hour network show. Why not? You know what I mean? Like people aren't watching main event, but if you hype this network special, maybe they might watch that. You know, so you know, I would be I I would be totally cool with this. Like you know, not televising every house show and even putting a whole lot into it, but you know, if, if you're gonna if you're gonna have a house show at like a Madison Square Garden, maybe. You don't need commentary. Just put a, get a few cameras there to cover it, and and get the feed going into the network. Yeah, it, it'd be so cool to watch. You know, every Saturday night, just broadcast a house show. Maybe not one that they're doing in a small you know arena, just in, in like a small town in Montana or something like that. But if if you're if you're hitting a major city, you know whether it be you know a, a, a Toronto, a, a Philly, a Minneapolis for that matter, if, if you're hitting a, a bigger city with a you know pretty decent sized venue on a Saturday night, hell yeah, I I would definitely watch that because I've always had more fun at, and I think you guys can attest I I've always had more fun at house shows than I have the I mean the television shows are fun too but there's a different vibe at house shows and you know by it, it'd be so cool to have. There's no commentary. Just you know, be able to listen to the fans. It's like you're actually there. I think I think it'd be cool for them to televise the house shows. And I, I don't think there would be much much more involved other than you know having a few cameras cam. there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I agree about the house shows. Why not? Especially the big markets. Like, or if you do like on a Sunday night when you you have the cameras in the next city at Raw anyway, you don't have to put all the cameras. Do you guys remember the NXT show? Like when it was the NXT Redemption. They yeah. kind of did a lower camera angle. It yep. wasn't a traditional one. You could just have that and then one guy at ringside instead of three exactly. guys at ringside. Yeah, three yeah. cameras are what they need. It'd be, it'd be cool. Yeah. Like, why not? House shows are fun, too. Like, the yeah. promos and stuff. I remember Miz did a promo, his Hollywood promo, and they had a guy come out at ringside. He was filming him on his phone, and then he kind of left after the promo. So he wanted to show somebody backstage probably the promo or show the people at TV the promo. It's just that kind of thing. You see people practice those kind of segments and that kind of stuff. But his match they had with Ziggler, I didn't kind of tell it was kind of like what I saw at the house show. So, I mean, it, it was it was cool though. I, I'm happy for Ziggler by the way that kind of icy title. Yeah. I, I want him to be like the wrestling champion, but I don't know what they're gonna do with the icy title. So, I think he should hold it for like three four months until Barrett comes back, and then that's a good feud. Um, but we'll see what happens. I think we should talk about NFL because we got about 11 minutes left, and mm-hmm. NFL starting in about three weeks. We got a big draft tomorrow for a TJ Rasslin League. Thursday um, night. Thursday night. Sorry, what, yeah, Tuesday Thursday, night. Yeah, come on. Yeah, it's Thursday yeah. night. 
Yeah, I have, I have another one tomorrow. I got, yeah, it is the season for fantasy football drafts. I think we're all in a bunch. I got six right now. I might do a couple more in fan tracks. I got six with people I know, and then I might do a couple more. Who knows? Yeah, I'm in, I'm in six money leagues. Most leagues are there. I actually have <laughs> You're in that many? Wife. I thought your wife doesn't let you go in that many. Uh, well, yeah, I've been actually, the what culture writing actually was. Okay, there you go. Eight, has paid because I it's in my PayPal account and I use to pay people. See that? So the only yeah. reason I can do it is with my what culture money. That's um, cool. But um, um, but I've got a live draft and a online draft for two money leagues going on simultaneously. So I will be simultaneously drafting in yeah. two ways. I'm yeah. gonna screw something up. Ours, I know. I'm ours that is on at 8:30 on Thursday. I got another one at nine, so I'll just have different yeah. browsers. I've done it before. Last year I did the draft during a radio show. And I actually won the oh, league. Oh, yeah. So, That's right. I actually won the league. So, I, you know, whatever. We know what we're doing. I think we're kind of experienced and we're all kind of degenerates. And my, that's why we're in the league. We are, we are degenerates. My favorite. You have the first pick in our draft. So, who are you going to pick? Because I'm picking second. Uh, well, like I said, fuck me. I, I don't know how much <laughs> I, I like that pick. I, I, I've actually done a few mocks. Um, and. I mean, the more I think about it, uh, I think I'm just gonna end up going Adrian Peterson. I mean, I, I, um, I, I, I doubt it'll happen like this, but I, I was, I did a mock, um, and there, there wasn't anything crazy, but I ended up getting uh, AP in in the first round, and um, then I went with uh, Aaron Rodgers was there at the end of the second round. So if, if he's there, I'll, I'll be happy. But uh, but I don't know. I'm excited yeah. for Sunday. Now Sunday, I know Sunday, I'll Sunday, Aaron Sunday is. <laughs> I'm not picking Sunday, to give you that high. Sunday, uh, Sunday, Sunday is my main league. Sunday is the one I've done for nine years in live with with I'm me in and Steve. I'm in a 14-year league one, so yeah, Matt's yeah. in that league. I think you're number one pick, Dave. Yeah, yeah, I'm picking like fourth in that one. Now, like I was saying with Matt, I think the top three are going to be Peterson, McCoy, and Charles in every draft. You just don't yeah. know the order. It depends on that person's preference. Like and then fourth want, is probably you almost number three, so that everyone yeah. else makes a decision for you. Yeah, that's what I'm in in our, our OFL one. But um, so I think you just kind of pick those three, and I hope no one get injured. And then and then Forte is probably fourth in most drafts. And then after that, it's kind of like Lacey. Do you want to pick him fifth? Do you want to go with Calvin Johnson that high? Do you, you know, there's a lot of options. And Jimmy yeah. Graham's like value is such so high at tight end. Um, so it, it's cool, and I'm excited about it and all that kind of stuff. So I basically have like no plans in my social life for the next two weeks because I'm like Friday draft, Saturday draft. Yeah, yeah. Like, don't bother me. People, right? It's social. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, even though we're on. That's on myself. Yeah, so let's kind of uh, we got about seven minutes. Uh, How about real football predictions? I guess for the season because Ace wants to kind of keep track yeah, of yeah. everyone's prediction. Hopefully yeah, I don't so, pick Atlanta this year like last year. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah, so that's what we'll do. I, I've, I've kind of got mine now. They may be tweaked between now and the NFL show. We can edit them. But on the, I think it's the second of September is when Macho Man Radio will do the NFL preview show. Hold Alan, Justin, the other guys. I'll come back. I'll come on for that. Yeah, 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 for sure, Matt. You too. Um, but yeah, so well, we'll, we'll put together a, a list. But um, well, Matt, what do you think? Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah, Super Bowl. What do you got? Or maybe final. Well, well, final let, 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 well we could talk about playoff game teams. Let, let's yeah. let, let's let's start the AFC. Uh, the AFC. So let, let's talk about teams we like in the AFC real quick. I'm uh, I'll just run down my list uh, in, in in order of division and wild card. I've got Pittsburgh, Indy, Denver, New England, and then in the wild card, I've got Cincy and San Diego. That's probably about what I would say. I th- I don't think Kansas City is going to make it in this year. I think they overachieved last year. Pittsburgh, I'm not completely sold on. 
Uh, I kind of would think that Cincy would make the playoffs still as the AFC North champions. Um, but then, then I think that Pittsburgh could probably sneak in as the sixth wild card. So I pretty much have this, your same AFC playoff teams, but just switched in terms of divisions. Got it. Um, I'm going to go uh, New England, Baltimore. I, I just think they're going to bounce back. I think they have the Super Bowl hangover last year. And a lot of times what we see is teams will win the Super Bowl and then maybe they'll have a hangover and then they bounce back because I think the core is still pretty solid. I, don't, I know people maybe, maybe not. I think Steve Smith's a good addition. He's going to help Torrey Smith and the tennis put it back. I think Flacco will be more comfortable this year. And I think they do have some decent pieces on defense. So I just think I think Pittsburgh, Baltimore, Cincy is going to be like a battle. They're all going to be like a nine yeah. and seven kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so New England, Baltimore, Indy, Denver. And then I, I have Pittsburgh just because I think Ben Roethlisberger is going to have a huge year. I think no huddle offense. They're going to pass more that kind of thing. Le'Veon Bell is going to be good. I like the rookie defender they had. Shane Years, quick as hell. Yeah. Um, but my last wild card, I, 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 I'm torn on this. I haven't really thought about it as much. I, I, I like San Diego though. I think I think they're legit. Mm-hmm. I think I love the coach and I think Rivers is good good again. So. I'm going to probably pick Denver to go Super Bowl just because I think they have too much talent and the defensive additions were good. But I think Indy might make it too. Yeah, I mean, Super Bowl, AFC. Did you guys pick? I, I, I'm going to have to – I'll go with Denver just because I, I really don't think that there's anyone else. I think Indy I mean, could beat them, though. I think Indy's good. But I don't know if there's good enough defense. That, that's my issue with that. Yeah, I, 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 think, I think I think when you have Ware and Miller, and then you got Talib and T.J. Ward, I mean they got good players. Now. They had three stars. Yeah, that's what they needed to do. Do you, do you pick Denver too, Matt? Yeah, I pick Denver too. It's not yeah. it's not you know not the wild card, but I can't I can't I can make I can't make a case for anybody England. else to get past them. No, not even doing that. I think I think Brady's cooked. I think he's gonna. I think this is the yeah. fall off year. He only got like twenty six uh, touchdowns this year, right? Yeah. It's kind of slipping a little bit. Um, NFC is way harder. I'll let you guys yeah. go first. I'm kind of jotting it down as I, as I think about it. <laughs> Matt, I'll let, you, I'll let you start if you'd like. Yeah, I mean, uh, Green Bay in the north. I love Green Bay. and Rogers, I think Rodgers going down is the only thing that stopped them last year. I don't think that happens again this year. I got Green Bay in the north. Uh, I got um, New Orleans in the south. Uh, I don't trust any other teams uh, in that division. Um, You've got a different Cook. champion every year for the last 12 years. I, 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 like, I like that Brandon Cooks kid a lot. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, uh, I'd love to be able to say the Giants in the East, but after seeing the ones play in the preseason, I can't say that. Uh, I'm not going to go Giants over Broncos again this year. Um, <laughs> I like I like the Eagles, and I'll tell you this, I, 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 you know, we've been listening to Adam Schein, uh, John, because our boy Nick Costas yeah. is the uh, producer. I absolutely agree with him when he says the Dallas Cowboys are going to be the worst team yeah. in the NFC. Uh, maybe Tampa Bay will get the best odds of getting fired. So there you go. Yeah, the midseason. <laughs> so I'll be looking very much. I mean, they're going to lose like forty-two, oh, yeah. thirty-five. The offense is going to be fantastic, but the defense is going to be a sieve. So I yeah. expect Dallas to go like five and five and eleven. Um, but um, then in the West. Uh, I still like Seattle and San Francisco. One's going to get the one seed and one's going to get the five seed. Uh, yep. And then they're the two best teams, maybe. Yeah, they're the two Who's best the teams. the top three with Green Bay, I think. Um, yeah. And I actually think Arizona will sneak in. As, I think they're going to I think there's going to be three teams from the – sorry, Johnny, here uh, Rams are, are – Yeah, at, um, But three teams from the NFC West are going to make the, the – uh, Are going to make it. And, uh, did I uh, – yeah, I, I, I didn't even make a prediction for the East. 
I, I guess I have to go with Philadelphia again, um, but I'm not confident in that pick. The Giants might I'll surprise, just, but the, the way that it's going, I, I don't think so. I'll just run through my, my uh, down a list. I got Green Bay winning the North, New Orleans winning the South. I think uh, one huge fall off will be Carolina. I think they're a six win team this year. Um, mm-hmm. Seattle in the East, and then the Giants. I have winning. I'm sorry, that West. Uh, I have the Giants winning the East. Um, well, thank you very more optimism than I do. Wild card teams. I, wild card teams. I have the Niners and the Bears, um, and then. Uh, you guys are picking almost all the same teams, and I'm I'm doing the same thing. Like as far as the teams I made last year, but we're all smart enough to know that there's always five or six new playoff teams. So it's like, how yep. do you pick? NFC is so good. I think Atlanta yep. might bounce back. I think I think someone's mm-hmm. someone's gonna do something like that. Yeah, right now I'm 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 just running it down. I'm just saying Philly, Green Bay, New Orleans, and Seattle. I mean that's that's all a repeat. And then I have San Fran, and I think. Like, I think Chicago is really good offensively, but I don't know. And then I think Washington yeah. could bounce back just kind of as a sleeper. I know they're kind of under the radar, but I, I have I think Griffin, if he's healthy, he's really a threat. But I'm not really going to pick them. I want the Rams to make it, so I'm picking the Rams. <laughs> <laughs> Screw it. It's been 10 years. I think the defense is going to be amazing. So, you know, you never know. I Honestly... You guys know me. I watch every Rams game, and it's just they play so many close games all the time, and the defense mm-hmm. will always win it. So, and Bradford was 14 TDs and four picks last year. So, you know, you never know. So, I, I'm just hoping. I, I'm probably change those predictions, but I'm gonna pick Green Bay to make the Super Bowl because I think yeah. Rodgers is the best quarterback in the league. I, I, I just think, and I think after Green watching Green Bay over Denver in the Super Bowl. I, I, I think uh, you know I, I watched uh, the the Packers once go against the Rams, and granted the Rams didn't have all their starters on defense, yeah. but Rodgers is going to play some pissed off football this year. Yeah. L- I, think Lacey, Lacey, I, I, I think Lacey's going to have a huge year. So, it's just um, their defense. Yeah, defense is going to be a question thanks, mark. But, uh, oh yeah, God. thanks, thanks, Bret Hart. Awesome interview. Um, we're back the 23rd of September. We may be back in, in between that, um, between then and now. Macho Man Radio tomorrow night. We'll have our fantasy football preview with me and T Mac. Night. Bye. Take care, guys.